Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Eight minutes after the hour, Powderhorn on board with us this morning, 1915 Paris Road. You know, you guys are technically called Powderhorn Guns and Archery. Uh, it, what What's the archery market look like right now? Wow, that, that is actually really on fire, too. I guess it's like everything else right now. We've all been uh, given so much money that uh, we need something to go spend it on, and everything's in short supply. But, man, the archery stuff is, is definitely on fire. As we're getting warmer, we're thinking, people are thinking about going outside again. See, I, I was thinking if I couldn't get my 1911... Uh, that I would just uh, stop by and talk to Jordan about uh, bow and arrow. But, uh, <laughs> you can still get bow bullets, so that's something. You can still get those. <laughs> bow bullets. <laughs> yeah, that's what we call the arrows. So you can still come in and and, uh, and get those, and those are those are actually reusable. You can go If only we could do that with our handgun ammunition, go dig it out of the target and use it again. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that. Brian Mays also with us. Um, when did you guys do the remodel? Oh, remodel started uh, last... March, April, May, and maybe a little bit into June, which was a little bit ahead of our normal schedule. But uh, with COVID and the fact that we were closed to the public there for a period, that was a great opportunity for us to to move our plan ahead and and start remodeling a little earlier than we planned. It's great because uh, you know you got it. You got other choices, and uh, and Powderhorn is one of them. Uh, you might want to stop by and see the new store. Uh, I am told I haven't gotten in there myself yet, but I will. Uh, probably in the next uh, month or two, I'm going to head in there and see if I can pick up the firearm that I want. Uh, but speaking of the firearm that I want, uh, do you guys have any 1911s there? <laughs> right now, I think we have, as of yesterday, I should say, because that was the last time I was in there, we did have one 1911 framed. I believe it was a uh, uh, one of the Taurus framed 1911s, but yeah, that, that's been... It's been 10 hours, so it, it could be gone so it could by be now. Gone now. <laughs> it could be just an empty spot where they used to be. Yeah, those, uh, those have been harder to get. Well, I guess everything has. It's it's hard to nail it down to one thing being harder. So um, what do you want to highlight today? What did what'd you guys bring? Well, i tell you what. We did get in a couple things. Uh, we, we got turkey season coming, so we got in some of the, the brand-new model turkey guns. So that's, that's really neat. But then we also got another shipment from... Uh, we talked about Wilson Combat. We're a, we're a full-line Wilson Combat dealer. Yeah. And we got a shipment of their AR lowers um, and their billet-matched lowers and uppers. And they're just a... Uh, they're really, really well-finished. No matter how you look at them, every corner is perfect. Every uh, detail, every indent is perfect. They fit together really nice. And they, they don't last. Um, usually we get 12 to 15 shipped in, and within two to three days, all of that stuff is... Uh, is gone is gone um and th those do take a background check the, those are completed lower so they take a, a background check but uh, <laughs> uh they are uh, they're really they, they look really really nice we've already sold a couple of them but uh as of friday we still had a couple of them left in there and they look really really cool all right so right now uh and i've talked with other dealers you, you almost can't get your hands on an ar-15 they are they're like uh made out of unobtainium <laughs> yeah uh, it's uh I think we had one in there on Thursday, and I think it was gone within 30 minutes of, of it hitting the shelf. And uh, we've, we've got more. Of course, the, the, the promise, right? The, the, the firearm is in the mail to us. And uh, ho <laughs> hopefully we'll see some, but uh, they've definitely been hot. The 30-round magazines, every time someone talks, you know, the 30-round magazines and the 40-round magazines and the 65-round drums, all that stuff starts to, to go away pretty quick. But, uh, but we're still keeping a pretty good stock. You know, I'm... I, I recognize the fun of the of the drum uh, and being able to just keep shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. 
but I, I just, I don't feel as comfortable with it. Uh, and some of these people, uh, and I'm not saying anything about the drums you guys carry, but some of them haven't really, really haven't got it down to an art. <laughs> no, they're, I think it's uh, like we were talking about the bump stocks and things earlier. That's one of those things you, you do it maybe once, twice in your life. And you're like, oh, that was cool. And then you go ahead and move back to your 30-round magazine or 20-round magazine. and, and Because they are, they're heavy. They have a tendency to jam. Um, that that has happened uh, several times, and they have a tendency somewhere in the middle to to cause you a problem. So it, it's it's fun. It's uh, I believe the word tactical we've used before uh, looks cool like that if you're out in the range. But man, they they are heavy, and uh, you, most of us try it and then go, huh? Well, that was cool, and then we move yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. That was so often that was cool. I got a request. Somebody asked me a, a question about holsters, and I want to get to that in in a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, but let me uh, finish up on the AR-15s. You've got these lowers. Uh, can do you have enough pieces, parts for me to assemble an AR-15 the way I, you know, the way I would want, so that it's usable? No, I do not have every part. Barrels are harder right now, and it's not something uh, we don't really specialize in that in the store. Um, in the in the what, what do we call those? What's the nasty word? The black gun market. Um, we don't really specialize in that, but we do have a lot of the parts. But no, we, there's heck, I, it's hard to get roll pins these days. Uh, just a you know a two dollar pin that holds parts in. It back ordered twelve sixteen weeks, and it's it's kind of silly right now. But uh, yeah, we, we we don't have it all, but we have a we have a lot. I'm guessing if you made uh, fifteen to twenty five stops, then uh, you could probably get everything you needed. Wow, oh, it is such a demand. It is just incredible. <laughs> ammunition is the next big thing. Everybody's talking about ammunition. They can't find what they want. I know where I can get some twenty eight gauge <laughs> shells. <laughs> Although there's fewer, there's fewer. I've had I've had several calls since we talked no. about that that twenty eight gauge shotgun. I sold two of them and about half the shells. <laughs> You're kidding? <laughs> no, because and people. I had a couple people ask if they could turkey hunt with it, and I was like, ooh. But uh, you know, it's uh, anything's anything's possible. The, but the uh, power. <laughs> that's right. The power of radio. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, so, uh, wh how are you guys uh, doing for ammo? I I'm sure it's in one day out the next. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it is. We are starting to see some, you know, we're we're starting to see some rifle ammo because we're we're a little ways from those type of seasons right now. Um, but we're starting to get a little bit of a backlog, and we're trying to get a backlog a to control the people who want to buy it to just go triple, quadruple the price and sell it online. I don't, I don't need to deal with those. Um, and it's make sure that when season comes, the people that actually want to go hunt and want to go uh, do what, what we all believe in so much will have the capacity to do that because I can't tell you how many sad faces uh, of, of young and old that we sent out the door. I know me and Brian both tapped into our personal reserves and gave out you know six rounds here and five rounds there because that's all we could, we could come up with. But uh, we're going to try to assure that doesn't happen as, as best of our ability this year. But we're starting to see some handgun rounds. So if you buy a firearm, you're going to get some 9mm, you're going to get some 380. Uh, some 45 stuff like that that uh, that we have if you're if you're buying a gun still record gun sales so we do go through it pretty quick well it's good to know that uh, you, you get some ammo and i and i think they're gonna they're gonna start catching up i i just can't imagine the demand can continue at this pace uh yeah i, I 
I, eventually the bubble will happen, right? Because prices have gone up already. So if, eventually, the about we're at about a twenty percent increase in price for manufacturers right now, and uh, eventually that bubble will burst and you'll get the demand. But I, I think it's a, a shipping and logistics problem in this country is a is a heat. Well, not just this country, the world right now is probably one of the greatest problems. I mean, you can't even get shipping containers to get the parts from and the pieces and the powder and things shipped across the country or from other countries into this country. You, you just can't get any of it. All right, uh, we're up against the clock, but we're going to take a, a quick break, come back, chat with uh, Powderhorn Guns and Archery. They are at 1915 Paris Road. Glad to have them with us. We'll talk about some legislation here in the state of Missouri that I think is, well, good for gun owners. Find out if there's any other firearm they have that they want to talk about that you might be able to buy at about 10 o'clock this morning over at Powderhorn. You're listening to Gary on Guns, Hot Talk 93.9. It is uh, 21 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Brian Mays on board with us along with Jordan Hargrove. They are from Powderhorn Guns and Archery. They're on Paris Road, 1915 Paris Road. Uh, do you guys have uh, another gun that uh, you want to brag about before we move on? Man, that's a that's an open-ended question. I'd brag about guns all day. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we got some of the new turkey, uh, the new turkey guns in from Fio or from Fioki. <laughs> That'd be ammo. I was too excited about trying to get ammo, uh, but uh -huh. from, from Franke uh, has come out with some new uh, shorter. So we've got a a beautiful twenty gauge that showed up. So perfect for kids and adults alike. I still use a 20 gauge when I go turkey hunting. Uh, maybe that says something about me, but uh, I, I like I like shooting the 20 gauge. It's just more comfortable for me. Um, well, yeah, and there's something left of the bird when you're through. That's, usually, it, it yeah. depends. I, someday I'll tell you the story of the first turkey I killed. It was uh, it was the deadest turkey you'll ever see. It, <laughs> it took a lot of rounds. It took a lot of rounds. <laughs> but uh, these new uh, these new uh, uh, Frankies are uh, really amazing guns. They come up really nice. So they balance really well, uh, which is I think important for your smaller shooters uh whether it be you know a, a full adult or a a smaller child once you bring it up to your shoulder there's a, there's a big feeling of uh the weight being centered on it um so it just feels good and it holds nice because that's the hardest part you know especially for smaller shooters is being able to hold that firearm up while you get a good uh clear target picture and uh they, they've done a really good job balancing it it has a nice shorter barrel on it beautiful camo pattern and it's a bronze cerakote um, that's on the the barrel and the the metal parts of the gun, and those Cerakotes are fantastic for turkey guns. Because as we look outside today in the rain, and today is the opening day of youth season in Missouri, and it is going to rain all day long. So having those types of tougher finishes on your uh, turkey firearms is just a man. It is great. It cuts down on the rust. It cuts down on the the mud that hits it, and and just makes it way way easier to um, to to clean. And, of course, this Franke is the uh, Affinity, and it is a semi-automatic 20-gauge, so it'll hold your, your three rounds that you're permitted to carry by law in the state of Missouri. Um, and uh, semi-automatic, so it doesn't have a lot of recoil. That really helps, again, with the, the younger shooters or the, the smaller uh, shooters uh, or the guys like me that maybe just, uh, I like it. I like a simple, easy gun. And uh, it, they've just done a really, really good job with it, um, having a a pistol grip on it, a an actual <laughs> pistol grip uh, coming off the bottom of it uh, makes it really easy to move around in tight spaces like a turkey blind, things like that. So really, really nice firearm. So I'm just curious. Uh, uh, the three-round thing is obviously uh, a, a bit inhibiting, but uh, a lot of people want a, a shotgun for home self-defense. Sure. Uh, President Biden thinks you should go to your 
porch in the back of the house and, and fire it in the, in the uh, sky, and somehow that'll drive off the bad guy. Um, but uh, you can use a shotgun for self-defense, and usually a shorter uh, shotgun, is, uh, I, I think, would be a little bit easier to maneuver in hallways and, and inside a house. Could this conceivably be a decent self-defense weapon? Or sure, sure. I mean, any of these, you know, any weapon can can do well. Can do really bad things or really good things, uh, depending on which side of it you're on. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it absolutely could. And we did get a shipment of the new Stoger 16-inch um, uh, barreled. Their defense shotgun, an all-black shotgun, uh, an extended magazine, so it'll hold five to six, depending on. 20 gauge, 12 gauge, depending on the shells you put in it. Um, and, you know, those things retail for just over $300. Uh, Man, brand, that's brand an expensive self defense. It, it, it is. And from a, a trusted home. company. You know, Stoger is a, a very tr- good, trusted company. It's part of the Benelli Franchi family. So, really, and we sell we sell a ton of those things. Um, and uh, we've definitely got some of those in. And, and we have AR style 12 gauges in. As of Friday, we still had a couple of those, uh, those in for you know home really? home defense or, uh, yeah they're 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 pretty cool they're they're a lot of fun they're they're box fed magazines, um, detachable box fed magazines and they have a an operating system very similar to a a standard AR and they look a lot like them. Katie, bar the door, people <laughs> find out that you've got an AR style shotgun in stock. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, they are. A, they're a lot of fun to go. A lot of fun to go shoot. Like everything else, right now we got to watch the ammo because it's it's insane that twelve gauge, uh, a bird shot, let alone turkey rounds, right now is you can't find it either. But uh, it's still still a lot of fun to go shoot. Absolutely, uh, and that AR platform is just such an easy platform to use. It is it is really really neat. Yep. Uh, once again, that's at Powderhorn, and uh, you might, uh, if you're interested in getting, that would be like the ultimate self-defense <laughs> weapon for the house to me. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys recommend? I, I'll just go right around the clock here. I'll start with uh, with Jordan because you've got a lot. You know, you've got law enforcement background and all that. Sure. What do you recommend uh, for the uh, the best self-defense in the home weapon? Oh man, that is such a it's a it's a hard question for several reasons. Uh, but I'll say the biggest thing is something that you are the utmost comfortable with, and yeah, if that ends every, up being a single shot twenty two rifle that is the only thing that you are really comfortable with, then then that's what you've got to use. Um, you know, me a pistol. I think my 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 standard rule of operation is my pistol is to get me to my long gun. Uh, yeah. It is a de- defensive weapon, and uh, obviously, you know, most things are ended in the first uh, 30 seconds of, a, of an engagement. But, um, you know, semi-automatic pistols are really easy to use. And if you're really comfortable with them, then that's that's perfect. Of course, I have a rifle in the house and or a shotgun. And uh, that that is the, the – that's where I head. That's where I head. If something were to start happening, we'll start working our way towards that. And uh, hopefully everything is over by the time you, you get to that. But uh, But that's my goal is to get – to the uh, the long gun because it's you know, more stable, easier to shoot, better platform. Yep, I I would uh, I would agree with that. Uh, Brian, you want to throw out your recommendation, or is it going to be the same? It's going to be pretty much the same. Uh, the one that you're most comfortable with and you have the most experience with, the most training with, the, you spent the most time with. That's the one that you should you should try to go to first. Uh, I. I also have a carbine in the home, and uh, my, my general rule is is I'm going to use my handgun to get to my carbine, get to the telephone, and get to a safe spot. Yeah. One of the, uh, and, and I, I guess Jordan can speak to this, 
But if I hear somebody is in the house, I'm going to, depending on who's in the house with me, family, etc. Uh, but for the most part, if it's me and my bride, uh, we're going to stay in the bedroom. We're going to keep our eye on the doorway because that's the fatal funnel. And we're going to call the police. Uh, I, I don't have the skill set to comfortably clear the house. Um, I'd, I'd rather let uh, the professionals do that. Um, but it seems to me that's the safe way to, to handle this. Would you agree, Jordan? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we have a plan. We have uh, still small children, and, uh, you know, they're, they're getting bigger now. But uh, we had a plan, and we've, we practiced that plan just like once a year. We practice uh, the fire drill, how to get out of our house because all of our bedrooms are on the second floor. So we practice what to do. And we had intruder drills, and we practiced once a month, uh, every month. And uh, we, we had our alarm go off at one point with movement in the basement. And we did, you know, it was probably 2 o'clock in the morning. And me and the wife got up, and she grabbed her firearm, and I grabbed my firearm and everything else I needed. And she went and got the children and went to the back bedroom with the phone. And uh, I went downstairs and cleared my house. Of course, I said I've had a lot more training, and you know, I had my body armor and everything else. But I went to do that while she did uh, exactly what she was supposed to. Then I came back, and I, I called her on her cell phone as, as we practiced to tell her everything was fine. And I'm going to open the door, and, and we all went back to bed, you know, two and a half hours later after getting all the excitement from it. But, uh, man, you got to practice it. You, you know, talking about it is one thing. That's cool. Uh, but especially with kids, especially with kids, that way they don't freak out as much. It's just another thing uh, that they do. And, and now that my daughter's getting older, she's becoming more of a, uh, of a part to, to have a firearm and be part of the protection of that uh, that that back room that they all go to to make sure everything happens just right and that's that's the best thing you can and get the professionals on their way the people that can help the people that are going to be able to help in the end have you taken your daughter out shooting yet at all oh absolutely i've got a picture of her at three years old a uh, little redhead <laughs> with her little pigtails and a little sweet little sundress and she was shooting my mp5 um out at the range with me right next to her and uh yeah she she was just a, a tiny little thing and uh, she's shooting the mp5 and yeah she's been shooting ever since lots of hunting killed lots of animals and yeah she she absolutely loves it there's a uh, there's a a photograph that's available on facebook uh and when you get to the photograph it's all blurred out and it says sensitive content this photo may show violent or graphic content <laughs> so <laughs> is that everything on your uh, your Facebook feed these days? <laughs> uh, so you have probably in their eyes. So you click on this thing because you know you're taking a big risk. You you might see somebody's you know being uh, uh, eviscerated with a knife or something. You click on it and it's a mother teaching her little child to shoot a gun, and that's what they uh, they think is is violent content. Unbelievable. Yep. All right. We're going to come back. We're talking about kids, guns. Uh, we're talking about the Missouri laws that are uh, really encouraging. Next on Carry On Guns, Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. Hey, welcome. It's 35 minutes after the hour. If you just turned the radio on, you missed in the first hour a conversation we had with Dr. John Lott, uh, the famous uh, More Guns, Less Crime author, uh, talking about uh, President Biden's wish list of gun laws that he'd like to pass and uh, frankly, uh, did a terrific job uh, explaining why their pathetic ideas are just never going to succeed. Uh, and uh, you also have uh, missed out on some uh, great conversations about self-defense, etc., cetera, uh, with the guys from Powderhorn. They are from uh, 1915 Paris Road, uh, and that would be uh, Brian Mays and Jordan Hargrove. They're on board with us right now. Uh, there are... Uh, 
some interesting, legislatively speaking, things going on uh, here in Columbia that, uh, or here in Missouri, actually, that I think are, are uh, really good news. Uh, there is a Second Amendment Preservation Act, which apparently is moving uh, with alacrity through the Senate. It's got to go back to the House, and I think that it goes, it, I mean, it really has to bounce around a lot to get it through. But the idea that um, they're not going to, in the event that President Trump or President Biden, gosh, I'm having a hard time with that, <laughs> uh, that President Biden manages to restrict normal magazines for AR-15 or some other silly, you know, gun law, uh, law enforcement in the state of Missouri won't enforce those laws. Uh, kind of good news, I think. It absolutely is, Gary. I'm, I'm really excited to see the Second Amendment Preservation Act uh, start to take hold. I hope that it can go all the way through and become law. Uh, we've seen some other states adopt similar types of legislation. And uh, for, for our law enforcement here locally and in the state of Missouri, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do a lot to remove a burden from them to, to allow them to not have to enforce laws that that they don't want to enforce, they shouldn't have to enforce, and they're quite frankly unconstitutional in the first place. Yeah, I actually, and, and I, I'm probably in a, in a minority in some circles, I guess I know I'm that, um, uh, I'm of the opinion that they should never have created an FFL, that there should never have been a restriction on fully automatic weapons, uh, you know, the, the whole thing with the fully automatic, that comes from the Thompson uh, submachine gun, and uh, the war on alcohol. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, the, the NFA and the Gun Control Act of 1934, in my opinion, all of those things should completely go away. And if there, if there wasn't an NFA and there wasn't a ban on SBRs, for example, short-barreled rifles, then the whole conversation about the uh, SIG brace and the, the pistol braces would completely be out the window. We wouldn't even have a conversation about it. it a short-barreled rifle would just be a rifle with a short barrel or whatever stock on it that you want. And uh, I, I find that the, uh, the NFA and all of the rules that have to do with it are, are pretty ridiculous, uh, up to and including suppressors. Yeah, um, I've talked about this on the air before, that in some countries it's considered impolite to go out shooting, uh, target practicing, etc., without uh, a suppressor. It uh, just you think makes it... You think about all the laws that we've passed for everything else to make it quieter, from lawnmowers to chainsaws to vehicles to exhaust brakes on trucks requiring mufflers and to bring it down for the safety of others and to not uh, uh, interfere with their uh, sitting out in their back decks having a good day. We do everything we can to reduce sound except for that industry, and it is not quiet. You know, you, you put a suppressor on a 223, it's not like... It's not like the movies where there's this pin, you can hear a yeah. pin drop. That That is not what happens at all. Now, you could spend a lot of time trying to make some ammo and loading it yourself to get it to be quieter and quieter, but it's still like a twenty two long rifle going off. And, I mean, that that's not quiet either. I still wear hearing protection for a twenty two long rifle, but it is a lot, a lot quieter. It's just we do it for so many industries, but we don't really, it seems like such a, a bad thing for this. I'll tell you what's going on around the country. In fact, uh, one state, I think it was North Dakota, but I'm not sure, so don't don't hold me to this, uh, passed a law to protect uh, outdoor gun ranges because in many cases they started off in rural areas of the country and um, the outskirts of cities. And then as the cities expanded and people started buying real estate around those uh, outdoor gun ranges, uh, 
they began suing them because of the noise, in spite of the fact that the gun ranges came first. Uh, so, you know, it may not make it, uh, as we said, uh, absolutely silent, but it would certainly go a long way toward keeping it a lot quieter if you could pick up a suppressor, which, as I pointed out, in other countries, you buy in a hardware store. Well, even in this country, you used to be able to buy them in a hardware store. They're the Sears Roebuck catalog way back when, and they should be available to everybody without the tax stamp and, and just be considered like a firearm or just like a hammer or a tool. Uh, where you just go buy one because they are so effective. Uh, they, they don't make everything, you know, movie movie set quiet, but they do reduce the sound enough that everybody should use one. <laughs> They sold them in a Sears catalog. <laughs> Is there anything that looks more cool than watching James Bond thread his suppressor on the end of his gun? Looks really cool. But in reality, do you think you'd actually be carrying one around? I mean, that makes that gun so much longer uh, it, that it would be hard to... Yeah, that that's not a... A terribly practical situation for for most things because yeah. it does you know even the small ones are gosh I think the smallest twenty two one we have was like four and three quarter or five inch and that's just and, for a twenty two and they're hefty yeah they, they there's there's some weight there and you know, they've worked really hard to get them down we've got some carbon fiber ones that are now offered um, that that have some of the externals and the shielding made out of lighter stuff but it's still eleven or twelve ounces and that. That's still a lot. I mean, that's still a lot of weight and a lot of added stuff, and still doesn't make it silent. But uh, but it does help. It just it looks like a law looking for a reason <laughs> to exist. Uh, anyway, speaking of James Bond, and this goes to a uh, uh, an email that I got earlier this week, and I'll, I'll run this past you guys. It's about holsters, uh, and John wants to know what I think of shoulder holsters. Um, and again. The James Bond connection, you always see that's where he carries his firearm. I don't like shoulder holsters. They're not comfortable. Um, I just, I, I can't, I, I, I mean, I've only tried it once, but I just, I was so uncomfortable with it, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, and on top of that, you absolutely positively have to wear something over your, your, the, your torso, a suit jacket or a big jacket or a something. Um, and it it just it's not as as comfortable for me as an inside or outside the belt. If, if I'm wearing it inside the belt, I can blouse my shirt, and I can walk around in the summertime, and nobody knows I'm armed. Uh, but if I'm carrying a shoulder holster, then it's you know you got to wear a jacket or something. Uh, so I thought I'd go around the table find out what you guys think. Jordan, have you ever tried one? Yeah, of course. You know, especially when I first became a police officer, that was the. Uh Oh boy, that looked that looks sexy. That looks awesome in the movies. Miami Vice. That's right. You know, gonna gonna get one of those the uh, <laughs> the Riggs and Murtaugh of the day, and and you're like, oh, yep, got to have one of those. And yeah, you got it. And uh, that that sexiness wore off pretty quick. It had it applications, you know, especially when you're a police officer. You, you you have different times where sometimes you can't do something, so you end up with a bunch of different holsters for different places uh, and different uh, situations. But yeah, I'd say I probably wore it maybe maybe 20 times at most in my entire life um it's it's hard to to 
to pull from because uh, it's in a weird spot you're not used to. Your hand is, especially when you train a lot, your hand's going to go to the same place every time. And if you've never trained for that, well, it's not going to go there first. <laughs> I mean, it's just Oops. not. It's just not. <laughs> and uh, they're, they're just uncomfortable and stuff. But it does free up your waist. It does do a, a few things that, uh, that that allows it easier to ride in cars. Um, so if you're riding around getting seat belts and doing things like that all day instead of just having a leather holster on your hip. So it does free up a few things. But, yeah, I found them really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. My experience was the same. I've, I've owned a couple of them, and uh, I find them to be about as practical as the thigh holsters. Um, and I love my thigh holster. I, I use it when I'm on the range. But otherwise, for, for any kind of carry, it's, it's not practical, and I find the same experience with the, with the shoulder holster. Yeah, just doesn't, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, a little bit more on holsters in just a couple of minutes. Uh, if you just turn the radio on, the fine folks at Powderhorn on board with us, including uh, Brian Mays and Jordan Hargrove, they are at 1915 Paris Road, place where you can get a 28-gauge sh- shotgun shell. Why, I don't know, but that they got it. You're listening to Gary on Guns, Hot Talk 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. It is 5050 50 minutes after the hour. Powderhorn on board with us. Uh, Brian Mays is with us. So is Jordan Hargrove. Uh, we're going to talk holsters here for a few seconds. Uh, if you haven't been there or haven't been there in a while, you should uh, go. They've uh, remodeled the store uh, at 1915 Paris Road and uh, find out what the, what they have. Speaking of holsters, we talked about the shoulder holster. I like uh, uh, it inside the belt most of the time uh, because it's easy for me to conceal uh, and it's relatively easy for me to, to get. Uh, sometimes, depending on what I'm wearing outside the belt, works uh, even better. Uh, do you guys have a preference? Uh, I'll start with Jordan. Y- yes. And, uh, you know, I set my preference a long time ago. And now it's more of a, man, I've spent so much time pulling from a certain holster and training on it. I don't want to have to redo that. I've spent so much money going downrange. But um, for, for most of my concealed carry, is almost always an inside-the-waistband holster kept in the exact same spot, no matter which firearm I'm carrying. Um, everything kept in the exact same spot. But I, I really like the inside-the-waistband because I can, like you said, blouse a shirt over it, whether it be summer, whether it be in the winter, uh, cover it up, keep it uh, keep it concealed. And uh, and, and, and it works just, just well. It's it, They're easy enough to get to. Um, but uh, but still have enough retention to keep the firearm in the holster. Do you switch firearms a lot? Not not anymore. Um, like I said, you, you end up spending so much time putting putting them rounds down range. You're like, man, okay, let's just let's just keep with this. And I've never, believe it or not, uh, of course, most of our guns were lost in a boating accident. But uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't have <laughs> I never have had that many like. Uh, I want to get a scuba gear <laughs> and, and head into the lake of the Ozarks That's and right. get all these guns. There's going to be a lot of them down there. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, typically now I, I stay with one if one for inside the waistband and a different one if I'm wearing just on my hip. Whether it be because I'm just going to be outside doing things or whatever, or I'm having one of those days where I'm going to have a, a, a coat or something else on. I'm like, I'm just going to. The activities for the day dictate a little bit higher retention level and having the gun outside of my uh, waistband. And I have a specific gun for that. So really, I just go between two. I am just, you know, I, I like the platform for the 1911. Uh, I like the trigger pull because it's, it's right there. I don't have to work on anything. I don't want to switch. I want that platform. I mean, I've fired, uh, and I've had, uh, you know, uh, Springfield's uh, 40 uh, the uh, caliber uh, semi-automatics, and uh, I've had several others. This is the platform that I like, and with the exception of sometimes if I'm wearing a suit and, I'm, uh, and I need to put the carry in my pocket, uh, I just don't switch. 
I, I don't see any point in it. No, when you're young, it seems like I because you it'd be I guess like owning uh, twelve sports cars. You just want to keep trying different ones, but eventually, I think you find the one that works and stick with it because. You know, when that time does come, it's going to be your confidence that is going to make the difference. And a lot of times, yeah, you've got to have skill. You've got to have these other things. But, man, if you don't believe in it or you have a little bit of apprehension because you've only shot that gun a handful of times, that that's going to make a huge difference mentally for you. So having the same one and just using the same thing over and over is, is probably one of the smartest moves you can make. Yeah, you know, I don't want to refer back to uh, James Bond too much, but there's always that part of the movie where, he opens the secret compartment, and he's got like 18 different guns that he could use. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm just going to have 18 of the same model. Uh, let me let me ask Brian the same question. Uh, do you uh, rotate firearms, or do you, do you pretty much just carry the same one almost all the time? I pretty much carry the same one all the time. I, I do rotate seasonally a little bit. In the wintertime, I'll sometimes go to a larger frame. Uh, with a little bit of a longer sight radius. But generally speaking, you'll always find me carrying the same one. And uh, regardless of which firearm it is, I use exactly the same outside the waist belt, uh, waistband holster for all of them. And uh, I've bought that holster for every gun that I own because I really like it. I like the way that it feels. I like the way that I can don and doff that holster and the firearm without having to remove the firearm from the holster so it stays holstered the whole time. And it's, it's unique in the fact that it snaps around your belt and kind of snaps to itself. And I find that to be extraordinary for my lifestyle. And uh, very, very comfortable with it. I wear it every day. And uh, I, it's, it is my go-to. It's the one that I seek out every time I buy a new handgun. So the outside the waistband for you, that requires that you always have to wear something to cover it up, right? That's correct. And the way I dress, I normally wear two shirts, an undershirt and an overshirt, and uh, my overshirt generally covers it. And I, I find that I don't print too awful bad. And typically I wear a jacket of some kind, be it a sport coat or uh, just a, a light jacket. Um, but it's not even needed. Just a, just a regular cut polo will cover it up pretty well. Do you guys have all these holsters? Do you have shoulder holsters at Powderhorn? Because I, I can't imagine the demand for them is great. I don't know why this guy is so uh, hot to get one, but we, we do. We do have usually a, a couple, um, and so many of the platforms are becoming modular. Uh, whether it be from, uh, well, any of the major uh, manufacturers of all the Kydex-type holsters. They've made it module now, so you can take that holster and take it off, and you could put it on a hip holster, or you could put it on a outside-the-belt holster, or you could put it on a chest holster, or you can put it on a uh, an over-the-shoulder holster. So we usually have a, a couple of those, but, yeah, they're, they're, I bet there's less than five a year gets sold for just the shoulder stuff. Yeah, and, and what do you guys think about Kydex versus leather? I'm a fan of Kydex for a couple reasons. A, because of some of the retention things that it allows you to do that leather doesn't. And B, uh, when you keep, in my opinion, when you keep a firearm um, concealed and you're carrying it every day, it gets wet, it gets dirty, it gets sweaty. And, and a lot of times it will stay in that holster for a while at a time. And I think leather maintains a little bit of moisture and does some stuff that I think is a lot harder on the finish of the firearm. Um, but uh, and Kydex doesn't seem to have uh, that those those problems. So I like my Kydex for for running around and the practicality and the utilitarianism of the of the Kydex over my my leather stuff. Yeah, Brian, I, I look at those leather holsters and I think, man, they look neat. They they, they really do. And the fact that they're they seem almost molded. Uh, but I stick to the Kydex. 
I do too, and uh, you know I've, I've got a few leather holsters that I, I really like uh, for for really nice my nice 1911s, kind of a barbecue gun, so to speak. I've got a leather holster for that. It looks the part, and matches the belt, but generally speaking, I'm going to go with the with the Kydex. And what I've seen just in in years in the industry, guns that have been holstered in leather, you can generally tell there's there's marks or pits or some kind of. Uh, uh, impression that that leather has left or the the contaminants that are in the leather be it sweat or dirt or moisture um so i personally go with kydex every time uh if you're uh, interested in uh kydex leather uh if you're interested in a, a shoulder holster <laughs> Uh, inside or outside the waistband, uh, let, uh, head on over to Powderhorn Guns and Archery, uh, and they do have they they do have archery there. You get a bow and arrow. <laughs> they got it all. That's true. We've even got double barrel crossbows. We can talk about that next time. I'd be dying to find out about that. <laughs> all right, uh, Brian and Jordan, thanks for being with us. Thank Powderhorns. You, Thank you. Uh, located at uh, 1915 Paris Road. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. Seize the day. Carpe diem and Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.